This is the sound of an electric guitar. In the parking lot, it's a short bad trip to the candy shop where the shrimp sell smack to the jelly snakes and the kids buy crack in the morning break. Break! And the glass grows blue on the other side where the old girls queue for their mother's pride. For a slice of life, it's a bargain sale. Yeah, the price is right when the bread is stale. Stout! Hello there, ladies and gents, and welcome to episode 60 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. I am your intrepid host, the titular Stacey, and joining me in this virtual parlour of infinite cake. God, can you imagine infinite cake? Yes. <laughs> Joining me in this parlor of infinite cake, who definitely didn't just speak before I introduced him, oh, it's parlor regular and super handsome guy, Nick Popper Constantino. Hello. Oh, hello, thank you. I'm super handsome. You are super handsome. Sometimes there was a person at work who saw me looking at pictures of you and your chiddlers on Facebook and was like, Oh, is that your brother? Oh. I was like, I know. I didn't realise how much alike we actually kind of look. <laughs> I think we do. Yeah I, I, yeah, I actually think we quite do. <laughs> yeah, we really could be related in some way. Um, so, yeah, that's not relevant to anyone. But um, <laughs> it'd be really funny if there were people listening to this with no clue what either of us look like who were just like, help, it what's be, happening? <laughs> I, had a, I had a moment at work the other day where, because on Monday... I thought I might be in trouble. I won't go into any detail. But I, I thought I thought I might be having the sort of conversation on Monday at work that meant that the night before I had a shave and I wore a shirt into work. Not a tie, because I wasn't certain I was in trouble. And one of my <laughs> colleagues, who's a lovely uh, who's a lovely lady that I know, who I don't see her very often, and she saw me and she said, "Oh, you look quite. You actually look quite sexy." And I was like, on the one hand, that's a Probably inappropriate, but I don't mind because because uh, I like her and it's flattering. And on the other, that just means that when I look like a hobo the rest of the time, she doesn't <laughs> find me sexy. It's a, it's a very a very backhanded compliment when people say it because I have this sometimes because my standard outfit at work is some sort of top, some sort of skirt, and a cardigan. Like that's me. But occasionally, if I'm going somewhere fancy after work for like a meal or something i might wear a dress and every time i wear a dress i always get oh you look lovely today oh you look you look really nice today stace what are you what's the occasion and i'm like are oh, you telling me i look like a trollop usually <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys <sighs> i mean it's silly though it is silly though because i imagine I, I mean i don't know about you but certainly in my case i've spent huge chunks of my life i've not got a great self-image but i also know that when i'm at work I'm really not trying. I'm really super aware of the fact. <laughs> yeah, me too. That like I've been growing my beard for a long time, not because I like having a big beard, but because I don't like shaving. It's literally just the laziest choice, and I know I'm doing it, so I shouldn't be that offended. But I, <laughs> I still kind of did feel a little bit funny. And then when I walked into my office, and everyone, everyone suddenly noticed, and I was like, "Oh, come on, this isn't, 
I've got to admit, I have sort of given up with my work wardrobe, but it's mostly because I hate spending money on clothes I don't particularly like. Even though I spend more time at work than I do, not at work. Mm. But I'm just like, I don't want to spend loads of money on super fancy dresses and like suits and shit. When I could just buy like a pack of seven plain t-shirts and a really shit skirt for a tenner. <laughs> I'd be like, yes, it, that'll do. Because you're going to be wearing them at work. It feels like a work expense. And, and at that point, I don't think loads about salary or money and i'm not hugely ambitious but at the point where it feels like i would only be buying these clothes to make the people i work with feel comfortable (laughs) it feels like a work expense and that's when i start thinking they don't pay me enough you know if they want to if they want to bump up my monthly salary by a hundred quid then i'll start (laughs) buying suits and stuff i don't care but until then they're going to get me in in steadily decaying t-shirts that's just how it (laughs) I shouldn't really complain because I did recently get away with wearing a jumper that has little blue robots all over it. Ah, uh, nice. And no, nobody told me off, so... I, th- yeah. I mean, my colleagues are okay with... I mean, they, they say nice things about my T-shirts a lot of the time. So I suppose I suppose that, you know, it's not like they're judging me the rest of the time. It's, <laughs> it's not like we work in a private sector office anyway. We only work at a university. Nobody really cares what we're wearing most of the time, so... I don't know. We've ended up talking loads about clothes, and and neither of us really cares about. <laughs> no, I was literally just thinking. I don't know where to go with this because I've run out of things to talk about about clothes because I don't care about them. I do have it. Well, actually, I do have a thing because today I was talking to a colleague about Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine, mm-hmm. who are a band. Oh, you might be too young to really remember them. I, don't I know. know of them. Yeah. They were a band that I really loved in the 90s, and it turns out this young buck who I work with was one of the cameramen on... They did a reunion gig, I think, or a short reunion tour recently, and he ended up being one of the camera guys on it. So I was watching some of... I was watching um, one of their... You know, I was watching the little sampler video that he helped shoot and thinking, oh, it'll be nice to revisit uh, revisit these this music I used to listen to 20 years ago. And every single song I fucking loved again. It was like really exciting, although it was only like uh, 30 second snippets of each one. And um, they're like the pop punk Pet Shop Boys. That's that's basically they're that sort of a there's two of them and they have the same sort of back and forth of lyrics that the Pet Shop Boys have. But it's all with like really angry sounding guitars. And it just reminded me that um, I used to have one of my favorite T-shirts that I literally wore until someone forced me to throw it out because it was falling apart. Was this old um, it was a a Cartier Unstoppable Sex Machine T-shirt. But it was drawn by a guy called Philip Bond, and it was actually the cover to a magazine called Deadline, mm-hmm. which, again, you were probably too young to remember, but in the, in the early 90s, it was a magazine that was put together by uh, Steve Dillon and Brett Ewins, who are two amazing 2000 AD artists who, unfortunately, neither of them is with us anymore. And it's where Tank Girl started, and uh-huh. so it, it's where Jamie Hewlett basically became a, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, before, well before the gorillas, it, Philip Bond uh, went on to do loads of stuff at Vertigo, and loads of the people in it went on to do other stuff. But they also had these really close ties to music as well. So I was just thinking about that today, and thinking I need to start listening to Carter again. It's there's so much other music has come and gone since then, but I love them. Oh, I love them, Stacey. Yeah, I was just getting so sort of. It wasn't just nostalgia. I was like, no, these songs are still really good as I was listening to them. I was doing that in the show the other day because I was reminded of Tears for Fears, <laughs> and, um, ah. and I've forgotten how much I really love Tears for Fears. But 
there's don't put music that you haven't heard for a long time on in the shower because you will want to dance and then you'll fall down i i need to sort my life out with t-shirts because because i've got a bit of an addiction to you know those websites that do like mashup tees yeah um and stuff yeah i've got I, I've got so many T-shirts that one day my wardrobe spectacularly broke and spewed them all at me. Oh, my goodness. And I got buried, buried in a pile of T-shirts. And it's got to a point now where I, I keep wearing the same, like, four or five just because they're on the top of the pile in the bottom of the wardrobe. I seem to have That's a lot like of decisions a... I have to make with each... Because some of my T-shirts are... Because money's become more of an issue in the last couple of years. Um, I used to, every six months, I'd probably get a batch of stuff from Threadless. Uh, which is which is one of those quite nice online t-shirt stores but um so when i'm picking stuff to wear for work i try not to wear anything that's that's literally falling apart when i go to work which, <laughs> which is becoming a smaller and smaller number of t-shirts but at the same time a, a little while ago um and i won't go on about him because this isn't that podcast but a little while ago i was wearing one of my t-shirts and it's just this this sort of ghibli-esque uh, style creature not even, I mean, mm-hmm. I suppose he's a monster, but he looks relatively benign in that, you know, there's a, some of the stuff in, in Ghibli movies is actually quite freaky, but they're like quite yeah. horrible. But then you've also got the things like in Princess Mononoke, the Kadamas or, or the, the soot sprites or whatever in Totoro, mm-hmm. who are just a little bit, or even Totoro himself, who are just a little bit off yeah, and a little bit weird. So they're cute, but they're also just odd. And I've got a t-shirt and it's one of those and it's handing this little boy an ice cream or they're both holding a cone in between them and the ice cream's on the floor or something and it's so benign but my son started really freaking out about it one night when, when I was going into bed <laughs> and every and for a few months afterwards I didn't wear it but a few months afterwards every now and then he'd say where's the tea where's that monster and he'd be asking really pointed questions about it so now I'm like wait is the t-shirt like whenever I'm looking at a design on the t-shirt I'm like is this gonna freak out my son because I don't Aww. want to. I don't want to freak him out. But then he watches such weird videos on YouTube and seems fine with them. The thing is, I'm probably not the best person to talk to about this because I am very freaked out by by very seemingly benign things, like uh, some kinds of claymation, for example. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, put certain things on the telly and I'm like, no, no, why does that exist? Help! And I'll like dive under a sofa. But it's not all kinds of claymation, which makes it make even less sense. <laughs> is it like, what so is it? Weird. Is it to do with frame rates or is it like what's um, in the claymation or? It's, it's a combination of things. I think it's when it's quite crude looking, like when yeah. the, the figures aren't particularly well made. There was the thing that particularly set it off was back when I was at school, uh, we used to watch these claymation versions of Bible stories in oh, RE. Right. Um, yeah. And there was one, and the, the one scene that I remember, like, and it absolutely traumatised me as a kid, it, it was the video where they were putting Jesus on the cross and all that biz. And it was the bit where they put this sort of, like, crown of plasticine thorns on his bonds. Oh, because, like, his head started spewing, like, globs of red plasticine oh, no. that were, like... but and And the movements weren't smooth, so it was, like, sort of... Just sort of like, oh, I, even thinking about it is put, making me feel a bit weird. Like, it was like dribbling down his head, but not smoothly. Like, it was a very jagged movements. And, and, and he was like, 
he had this like gaunt, horrible plasticine face, and he was like crying out in pain, and I was just like, why? <laughs> no, I hate it so much. There is nothing oh. more creepy than than that sort of imagery, anyway. And then when it's crudely mm. done, it's like, yeah, I am. Um, I wondered if you meant because because Ardman are pretty slick. Yeah, like we uh, Sean the sheep was on rotation in our house a little bit, and and that's very catchy. But I don't know if this stuff's still around. But in the early nineties, really late night on TV, there used to be sort of animation. Like I think probably on Channel Four or BBC Two, there used to be um, artsy shows that, and there were lots of short animations on. Then there was a guy called Jan Svank Major, and who I think did a uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland one. And so there's this sequence of. Um, the sequence of claymation animations that I used to have on a videotape that I'd recorded off the telly because oh, I'm dear. really I'm really fucking old, Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> I used to record things off the telly too. Oh, good. Okay, so um, so maybe I'm not that bad, uh, or maybe you're getting older. Have you considered? <laughs> yeah, I am that? quite old. <laughs> but there were these. Uh, he, there was this. I don't know if this was Jan Svankmajer or if this was someone else in that same sort of. Um, and the reason I'm sort of mumbling when I say that name is that I'm not entirely sure I'm pronouncing it right. Um, <laughs> Is uh, there were a bunch of these uh, claymations that were just like, for example, these two people. There were these two heads, and they're literally ma- like made out of brown clay. They do kind of look like they are kind of realistic, although it's designed to have all of the 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 brush, the the like knife marks and stuff visible. You know where they where it was sculpted. It's not mm-hmm. particularly slick, and they just start having a fight and just like clawing chunks of clay out of each other's faces and one of them will stick their tongue out and it'll actually be real meat or something like that and it's just like oh oh. that would that would absolutely horrify me i don't don't like the sledgehammer music video if that if that makes you understand the level at which i'm scared of weird things and i'll tell you for why the dancing headless featherless chickens oh yeah do not do not like those at all they're horrendous and i hate them because because why are they dancing when they've got no heads? It's and weird. I just, oh, and they've been plucked and uh, everything. Yeah, that is Yeah, weird. and they're doing that weird dance with like a hat and a cane. And I'm like, what are you putting the hat on? You don't even have an head. And I just, I can't cope with it at all. Oh, it's so weird. That's... I remember watching, what was it called now? It was something like, but not necessarily, uh, Celebrity Deathmatch or something. Oh, yeah. And that was like a, an animated sort of show where like celebrities would just UFC style fight each other to the death. That scared me as well. Didn't I think like that was that. probably a bit of a precursor to Robot Chicken as well. Which yeah, Robot Chicken is really deliberately look. We're just playing with dolls. That's that's all we're doing. <laughs> they, they, they and we're really juvenile and we're just playing with dolls. So it's like it, it's probably not quite as bad as Celebrity Deathmatch, which was just chaos and violence, wasn't it? It, yeah, it was I, horrendous. I it. And that was that was the beginning of the Jackass era. So that's when I checked out of, I guess I checked out of young adult culture a little bit because it all seemed too cruel to me as Aww. a as a thirty something. But now, but then after a while, I got back into it because I'm clearly deep down, I do love seeing people in pain. I guess <laughs> I don't. Know. Yeah, it depends on the level of. I love Jackass, but anything where that that, that involves them like throwing it up, no, and uh, oh, the paper cuts. Oh, just, I don't oh. think I ever saw that. Oh, they were giving themselves paper cuts in the corners of their mouths ah. and between their fingers and toes. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Oh, bruh. I once got a paper cut in the corner of my mouth from licking an envelope and then it was pancake day and, and I ate a pancake with lemon juice and it was a really big mistake. That's no good. I've, no. Got, I've got a cut in the side of my mouth and like, 
we didn't have this with my first son, but my second son, because they've got little talons, children. People don't tell yeah. you this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've got tiny, like, these tiny little claws, and the little one is really vicious. And it's like he can just tell when something's starting to heal. You know when your scab's probably about to drop off by itself, if it's left for just a, just another couple of hours, it'll drop off by itself and it'll be fine. <laughs> but if it's attacked again with similar force to the first time, it'll come back and it'll be worse than before. Mm-hmm. And he keeps doing that. So, like, I have one of those on the side of my mouth. I don't know why someone would deliberately inflict that on them. So you can't eat or anything. No, it's absolutely the worst. Oh, I don't like the, it. the jackass guys are weird, though, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think time has taken its toll on most of them, hasn't it? I think. Except Johnny Knoxville, who I think still has quite a film career. Does he? Well, I don't. Did you know. ever see? Did you ever see The Ringer? It's one of the worst films I've ever put in my eyes. I tried to take it back to the place that I worked at at the time, and I was like, "Please let me get a refund for this." And they were like, "You know how our thing works. We don't give refunds for them just being bad movies." <laughs> so, oh, god damn it! I think I've seen a film where he was in it with maybe The Rock. Or it might have been Arnold Schwarzenegger. I can't actually remember. It was it was another one of those films where a guy goes back to his old small town and finds that um, it's like a modern western, and the guy goes back to his old small town and finds that baddies have taken over the whole town, like a a, a corrupt mining boss or something like that, and proceeds to become the sheriff. And basically, all of those action bots have to do this film at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but Johnny Knoxville's in one of them, and I remember him being all right in it and not annoying, and not getting kicked he was... in the nuts or vomiting on anything. <laughs> he was marginally acceptable in whichever Men in Black movie he was in, but I can't remember. He wasn't really in it much, and he played a weirdo, so... That sounds about right. <laughs> oh dear. Hey, uh, we've talked a lot around stuff that was not at all planned. Um... Oh yeah. Apparently <laughs> I do actually... have stuff to talk about. I've actually got I've got a list and everything. I made a list this time because the last episode I did, I was like proper spacey for some reason and I just hadn't prepared anything and I was just like, can you guys just talk because I'm mental? <laughs> so That's been the uh, last three two grown men's I think have been like that. <laughs> I'm not with it at all at the moment. No, it's really, it's really hard to... Uh, to be sort of well the world's a bit of a mess isn't it yeah. and it's really distracting <laughs> it's really hard to get your teeth into uh, especially um like stories that are set around like post apocalypses or you know evil governments and stuff because it's just like oh mate it's too close to home mate they just don't seem funny anymore do they <laughs> yeah no it's just like oh that's why this is a brilliant segue haha ha. ah. uh, that's why Lego Batman was so goddamn good because I don't think I've laughed that hard at the cinema since Deadpool last year. Uh-huh. Uh, and and as most people know, I laughed a lot at Deadpool. Somehow, like I, I was expecting a lot from Lego Batman anyway because <clears throat> I loved the Lego movie. How, what are your feelings on the Lego movie? So I haven't watched the whole of it. <laughs> um, I I talked to. I think if maybe my son was a little bit older, I'd have ended up watching the whole of it with him. But because he's not that fussed and my wife isn't that fussed, I ended up sitting and watching it on my own. So when I was a kid, there used to be these stop motion animation Lego <laughs> adverts. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, it might there might only have ever been one of them, but I remember it being on a lot. And I remember, and I know if I saw it now, I'd be embarrassed because this would it would be my memory playing tricks on me. But I remember the stop motion in it back when it was proper stop motion being really really good and it was all this lego 
castle became a Lego face, became a Lego, etc., 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 and it all being really cool. And then we've watched loads of the actual CGI Lego animations, especially having played some of the games and stuff like that. So obviously those are quite slick. So then I'll, I started watching the Lego movie, and it had that whole, well, it's a robot chicken aesthetic. It looked like it was kind of designed to look like just some bloke fucking around with a with a camera in his living room or, or, or in his attic or whatever, only on a bigger scale. And I, it might get better than that, but after the first 10 or 15 minutes... So I was like, I didn't want... I, I wanted it to be something different. I think I wanted the, the animation to be smoother than it was, because I really like stop motion. And I know you saw Kubo in the um, <laughs> seven strings. Oh, two strings. Two strings, sorry. I That's another film. I, I loved what I watched of it, but I actually fell asleep while I was watching it because I was very tired, because I'm really tired at the moment because the world's going to shit. So I need to go back to it. But I think I think that's kind of... I've seen really slick Lego stop-motion animation. So then mm-hmm. when I came to that one, I was like, well, this is just a, a bloat. Just, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it, Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand I, why people liked it, but I think I had different expectations, I think, was the problem. Yeah, I think you might you might not be as happy with Lego Batman either then cuz I mean I I thought the animation in the Lego movie was was kind of amazing but the, the thing for me is I'm not very savvy at picking up on uh how stuff is made unless somebody points it out to me. Like with Kubo, I didn't I genuinely thought a lot of that was probably CGI it with a bit sick, of stop, stop motion in there because it's so clean and smooth mm-hmm. and gorgeous. But then uh, during the end credits where it shows you that bit with the weird skull monster thing and it's like, oh, crap, Like they actually made this giant skull monster and moved it like teeny, teeny bits. Yeah. And it's just, ugh, I can't even comprehend the patience that you yeah, must have it's incredible, isn't to it? do that. So I I didn't know when I watched Lego Movie, and I still don't actually, how much of that is legit Lego and how much of it is CGI, or if any of it is legit Lego, I actually... I think it's yeah. all... I get the feeling it probably all is. I think that was the... I think that was kind of the point of what they were trying to do, maybe. Well, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the other thing, the other thing about it is I think that just I've become quite grumpy about minifig fetishization. Mm-hmm. It's been happening over the last few years, and it's like, um, and again, this is probably just me being grumpy. So, like, <laughs> the fact that that film is so focused on the minifigs, certainly the bit that I watched on all of the different characters being in minifig form, I was like, Meh. but I, actually, I think this is just me being grumpy. And the thing about the Batman <laughs> thing is, all of the footage I've seen from it so far is more interesting in the way it's all framed. Like, mm-hmm. it, it looks like they've amped it up and what probably happens with the lego movie is there's probably a threshold where it gets past everything is awesome and the story starts properly kicking off where actually impressive really impressive looking stuff starts happening <laughs> i've just never got to it you've just never seen it yeah so um yeah no you are right about that <laughs> yeah so that, and, that, and that's the thing i mean it's, it's not really fair I'd like it's one of those things where i feel like i, I kind of i think i've always kind of felt like unless someone's at least tried to watch to the end of something they probably shouldn't be really hard on it one way or the other, and um, hard on it one way or the other. Because normally you're hard on something big, like negatively, aren't you? There isn't any one way or the other about it. You're hard on it, and that's <laughs> negative. If you were hard on it and that was positive, that'd mean something completely different. Anyway, so so Lego Batman. Yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> It, the reason I liked it so much is I actually think it might legitimately be my new favourite Batman movie. Ah. Because, because 
oh, I'm going to get punched by my husband. Not literally, because th- that's domestic abuse. But this would be an I awful think, place to hear about that. I'm, ge- <laughs> I'm going to get verbally punched by my husband when he hears this, because I'm not that big of a fan of the Burton movies. Right. I'm sorry. I like them to a certain extent, but I don't think they're very... Like, there's elements about all of the Burton and the other two that weren't Burton that were even worse Batman movies that just don't click with me. And then whilst I love Batman Begins and Dark Knight, Dark Knight's amazing, Dark Knight Rises really lets that trilogy down. And also I don't think they stand up to many, many rewatches. Like there's little plot holes and they're quite long and a bit arduous at times. Yeah, (laughs) I I just don't like those. I I don't really like those films very much at all. I I really (laughs) like, I don't think I like Christian Bale in that role. So it's sort of... um, Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. Whereas this, it's actually, it sounds really stupid because this has so many jokes in it that I'm almost certain I missed some because I was laughing at previous jokes. So you would think it's literally just going to be like a silly kids movie. But it's actually a a really good look at the psychology behind Batman's reasonings for becoming Batman and the the grief and loss and loneliness. And it gets a bit deep, actually. And, uh, well... Will Arnett's absolutely amazing as Batman. I absolutely am 100% wholeheartedly behind Batman being a musician. Because <laughs> in the Lego universe, for some reason, Batman makes angry music about having dead parents and things. Yeah, I mean, you would, <laughs> wouldn't you? I think. It's, uh, it's wonderful. There's a song in this movie called Who's the Batman, which is blatantly going to be the song that I'll put at the end of this episode. <laughs> um, and there's one line in it that made me like, actually full-on snort in the cinema which is for just a propos of nothing he goes i 100 percent am not bruce wayne yeah! <laughs> and then I, I was just like absolutely snorting it was really nice to just like laugh for like two hours <laughs> i imagine at the <laughs> moment really it really was yeah no it really really was and michael Sarah is the best robin that's ever robined so you know there's that i mean he, he doesn't have much competition in terms of Robins, because there's like Burt Ward, and then what's his face? Chris oh, what was his face? Was it? Was That's it Chris, the one. Chris O'Donnell. He was terrible, wasn't he? He wasn't good. There was a there was a weird scene. The scene I always remember in that film was him. Is he getting undressed or drying his clothes off or whatever? But he's whipping it around all over the place. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that was. I remember thinking, oh, I mean, it's it, I, it, it kind of works. It's an aesthetically pleasing scene, but I don't think I'm about to. Do- <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Um, I'll let you off. Uh, yeah, i i don't think I don't think it made up for the rest of those movies. <laughs> no. I always not felt, at all. I always felt so bad for George Clooney because I really like George Clooney, and mm-hmm. I think he was probably better. He was one of the better actors who's been in that role. I'm probably about to sneeze again, but he's always he at the time always went on about uh, apologizing for being the person who sank the franchise and stuff like that. But it's Bless like, you. thank you. There was so much else wrong with the film that he was in. It had <laughs> yeah. nothing to do with his performance at all. But he always mm. seemed to really take it on himself. It's tragic. I think the difficulty is, is I think he's an absolutely brilliant choice for a Bruce Wayne, and I, I actually really enjoyed all all of his bits as Bruce Wayne. But he couldn't move in the Batman suit that he was in. And so all of his bat scenes look absolutely ludicrous. Like, he looks like a marionette. Of, like, he just can't move. And he's he can't really emote because half of his face is covered up in 
Cowley Times, and uh, it's oh, they're weird movies. Yeah, I, uh, I, t- I tried to rewatch whichever one. I think it's Batman and Robin, isn't it? With uh, with Uma Thurman and Schwarzenegger and stuff in it, and it's I, so bad. I don't know why you'd put yourself through that. No, <laughs> to I don't be honest, know why I'd do it the, either. <laughs> um, the Batman Lego thing is interesting because there are two or three CG animated superhero-y Lego things that we've got on quite a lot of rotation here in the house. Mm-hmm. So uh, because of the because of the boys, there's there are two Avengers ones that are both quite good and fun and silly. I the the Lego Spider Man in the CG animated ones is just brilliant. He's so angsty that he keeps going on about how <laughs> angsty he is. It's really funny. Aww. And my son Venom's in it, and my son always calls him Black Spider Man, and I'm like, I don't. <laughs> it's difficult not to. It's difficult. The the geek in me finds it really difficult to not say to him. Actually, there is a black Spider-Man, and that isn't him. <laughs> no, to correct him, I just want to correct him all the time. But there's a there's a DC one as well, and it's uh, Batman. Basically, it's Batman wants to just fight crime on his own, and Superman and everyone else in the Justice League keeps trying to get him to join the Justice League. And there's this story going on there. But there's a scene where Batman's in the foreground talking to Alfred about how he doesn't he believes he should w- work alone and the the path of a crime fighter is is to walk alone and that's the only way to be really effective and while he's talking in the foreground Nightwing Tim Drake Robin uh I guess Batgirl or whatever all turn up in the background and they're all like grabbing cakes off Alfred's trail or whatever <laughs> Um, and it's quite there's loads of humor in those cg lego things which i think does come like it's in the films as well isn't it it's like they are really joking in it i I mean one of the jokes that that creased me and this this isn't a spoiler there's a bit where barbara gordon is doing a bit of a speech about how she she wants to get rid of batman because the police should be doing a better job and they shouldn't need him and etc etc blah 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 and uh and during this speech bruce wayne does uh does two spit takes and then has to go and order another drink so he can do a third (laughs) (laughs) and there's like a really prolonged pause between him getting this this third drink and spit taking it and it's just Oh, the timing in it is so great. I don't think there's like any wasted moments in the film. The only thing I will say is that if you're not keen on the it being a bit, look at all these minifigures you can buy, yeah. then you won't like the rogues gallery of people that appear because they they go as far as bringing in like condiment king and stuff. Oh my goodness! Like <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of like nonsense villains. Uh, that just that are just there simply so that they can go. Ah, oh, get these blind bagged minifigures. There's one thing I hate in the whole world. It's blind bagged and blind boxed figures. Fucking stop it. Yeah. Toy manufacturers. They just announced some Rick and Morty ones, and I'm like, well, of course I want all of those, but do I want to keep paying lots of money and getting the same ones? No. Do I want to pay extortionate things on eBay for people selling the ones I need? No. Oh, so infuriating. I think like, that yeah. that might be that kind of ties into my my thing about Lego Lego as a primarily geeky thing, um, and it cut and it cuts through with comics and uh, to, for my feelings about comics and stuff like that as well. It's that that whole blind bagging thing, and I I worked at um I worked at a comic shop when that started becoming really popular again. It's something that's it's like a a thing that people and I mean it's quite cynical that it's a kid oriented thing anyway because it is a way of just getting pocket money off children basically mm-hmm. but it's a it's a child it's sort of a child centric activity it's really exciting to not know what you're getting and 
what you're spending your your money on, which figure you're going to get. And it, it it traditionally started with you'd have a you'd have a suite, and there'd be a collectible in there, and you wouldn't know which collectible it was. I guess Kinder eggs are the purest form of that because mm-hmm. you still get the the egg. But like, so you used to get a chewing gum, and there'd be a sticker or or trading cards in there, and then that sort of developed and developed and developed. And so it feels like a it it feels like something that kids get excited about, not not really knowing what they're going to get. And then like collectible card games and stuff like that, they have a little bit of that in there, but it sort of makes sense because you are building a deck, and I, I guess for some reason I give that a bit more of a pass. But these sort of ones that are clearly aimed at, at adults just seem really cynical to me for some reason because mm-hmm. nobody really wants the surprise of knowing which one they're going to get. You want to get all of them. That's the point. You're an adult, you're doing this as a collector sort of thing. Yeah, it drives me crackers. Those Rick and Morty ones are absolutely infuriating to me because, weirdly enough, I think they're made by Funko. And their decisions on how they make Pops bamboozles me because I've got two Ricks and two Mortys already and they're releasing another two Ricks and another two Mortys. A Rick and a Summer set that has them when they're all juiced up beating up Nazis at the end of that one episode that I've forgotten the title of momentarily. And then they've got a couple of odd friends, but they've got none of the rest of the Smith family, which That's is really weird. strange. But yeah, because they've got like Squanchy and everything, who is my absolute favourite, and I'm abs- like I'm getting that immediately. But they do have some of the family members, like there's a Jerry in those little blind box ones, so obviously I want them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go do Lally. Because blind box ones are even worse, because you can't even like finger them a bit and figure out which one's in there. That sounded disgusting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, was, it, was it the Needful Things episode? Is that Yes, it was, one, yes. It? Yeah, yeah. I, I, is it some, something Ricky This Way comes or something? It might be, yeah. I've seen Something I've seen like that. that. For for obvious reasons, the bit where they uh, uh, hulk up and beat up Nazis has been doing mm-hmm. the rounds a lot at the moment. I can't um, think why. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, no, I can imagine because Funko Pops, you're really in into those. I think I think oh, the thing, so much. I think the thing about those things are like they they really play on my probably not autism that like that you. I feel like if you're like me, you're going to want to get all of whichever one you do, like mm-hmm. you buy into. Um, and there are a few of them. It isn't just Funko Pops, is it? There are a few different stylized sets that are like that. Yeah. And so you're gonna need you're gonna need committed shelf space probably for that sort of thing, which which I don't really have. And then the fact that you'd the fact that really the only way to do it sanely is to choose one or two that you want to really go all in on it is really difficult for me because I'd always be worrying. Like I I got in quite into the Disney Infinity toys because there's a game attached to them. But then as mm-hmm. I was getting into those, the Lego Dimensions thing came out. Luckily, I feel a bit weird about the minifigs anyway. But you immediately feel I immediately feel like, but I should be getting getting those <laughs> ones. They have different characters. I want those. <laughs> that's how I yeah, feel about it, the Funko stuff, I think. Funkos are dangerous territory because, like, Rich and I, we only really started collecting them about only a year or so ago. And it was when the Adventure Time ones came out. And in my head, I was like, I'm going to get the Adventure Time ones and the Turtles ones and that'll be it. You know, that that's me done forever. Fine. But then they announced like another set of things that I really like. And then another set of things that I really, 
really like because Richie's idea was he was just going to collect the Ghostbusters ones and then Harley Quinn, and that was a nightmare because there's a new Harley Quinn every fucking day. From like, <laughs> <Sound about> right. <laughs> there's so many millions of Harley Quinns. But like, I mean, just this past weekend they did a load of announcements at the um, toy fair in New York, I think, and. Um, I ended up tweeting at them to stop announcing things that I like because I was like, come on now, I'm going to be poor because they announced the Rick and Morty ones, then Darkwing Duck, then Gravity Falls. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Just reach into my wallet and take everything I have, why don't you? Is that the biggest, like, is that the most they've announced at once, probably? I think so, yeah. But feels... they've been announcing new ones all the time. Like, yeah. And they go out, what bothers me is they go out of stock so quickly and then become ludicrously expensive on the internet. Like, there's a She-Ra one that I never got around to get in. And I've got Hordak and He-Man and Skeletor, which were the only other ones from that set. But I can't find She-Ra for less than £100 now. Oh my goodness. Anyway, yeah, and I'm not paying £100. You can fuck that for a bunch of bananas. <laughs> yeah, I do not blame you for that. Um, That's how they get you, isn't it? That's because, yeah. like, the minute you miss out on one, you're going to like be insane the next time something comes out that you might that you're going to worry about missing out on i yeah, think um, that's the thing now i'm like i've got to get all the rick and morty ones the day i come out because otherwise what if i miss them and then i'm gonna cry oh i'm gonna be so poor <laughs> i think this might have been i think that must have been a really uh big announcement for them because this is probably the first time where instead of seeing people sharing around like ones that they're really excited about i seem to see two or three people saying surely this bubble must be about to burst <laughs> Come on! <laughs> I don't. I, don't I, I mean, I, I don't know that it is because people are kind of rabid for these things, aren't they? Like you go to conventions now, and it, they're literally on every other stand. I managed to get a couple of fairly rare ones when I went to London Film and Comic Con last year. Yeah, I don't know. I. I am getting to a point now, though, where Rich and I have run out of shelf space. And it's it's even more difficult now that my sister's got two kids and one of them is walking around age. Because whenever they come over to our house now, we have to shift everything like three shelves up. <laughs> so yeah. It just becomes a bit... Things are like balanced on the windowsill and all sorts, because otherwise Lexi will run around the house with them and squash them. And you have to pretend like you're not worried about it. If it happens, yeah, you have to pretend like you're worried about Lexi. Like, oh, what if she fell and like impaled yeah. her face on it? So I'll just put yeah. it on Yeah, I am. Um, my my sons are pretty good with the Disney Infinity stuff because it's in the TV cabinet because it, it needs to be near the console. So mm-hmm. they're all, all of the toys are in there and they can see them through the glass, but they kind of know they're not supposed to go like go in and play with them. Mm-hmm. But we had um, a slightly older a friend of ours came over and they've got a slightly older boy and it proved impossible for me. Because his parents, like, his mum's a... I don't know really what she's into, but his, his dad has hobbies, but his hobbies are, like, building things and uh, and riding motocross bikes and stuff like that. So uh, all of my tactics for explaining why those are daddy's toys and you're not supposed to play with them kind of fell apart because I felt really stupid. I felt like this kid was judging me. So in the end... Uh, him and my two boys were running around with the Disney Infinity figures going, oh, look, they're fighting with each other and stuff like that. And and I was like, well, no, I, they're, they're, remember, they're not. You don't bang them against each other. That's not, nah. <laughs> I don't I don't have the, the, the facility to deal with it because my boys just kind of know that there's their toys and there are daddy's toys. Mm-hmm. And they don't know about mummy's toys. That's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> But See, this is the really good thing about Lexi is that she doesn't 
play with toys necessarily. She just likes to have them in our hands. All right. So, so she'll just pick things up and run around with them, and then put one down to pick something else up and run around with that for a bit. And that's so you don't have to worry. You only have to worry about her either dropping them or falling on them and hurting herself. Well, that's quite good. It's, yeah, I mean, it's... she's she's adorable, but a bit uh a bit bananas. How old is she? She's She'll be two next week. All right, okay. Because cause that's the thing. It's like with my boys, it's you... My boys, oh my God. I'm such a, such a parody. I've, I'm like such a, a, a caricature of myself at this point. It's ridiculous. Um, I never <laughs> thought I'd be this sort of a parent at all. I uh, The other day, we were... Um, uh, we were sitting watching something with the kids, some cartoon or whatever, and uh, I, I must have been in the middle of a sentence or something, and all, and I just became aware. One and one of my boys was on my lap, and um, the older of the two, and Amy said, "Are you okay?" And I said, "What?" And she said, "You just stopped talking." And I realised that I was. Have you seen the the ITV show? The I think it's an ITV show, The Killing, not The Killing, The Missing. No. Right. So. It's just a pretty standard horrible crime thriller about these two parents whose son goes missing while they're in France and the whole thing is about them and it's James Nesbitt and stuff and it was on a few years ago and like English people talked about it. This sort of English people who watch broadcast English telly talked about it loads. <laughs> it was like the sort of thing that was on the cover of the Radio Times when you're in te- Tesco or whatever and you saw it there. <laughs> and we never watched it at the time. And we watched it and I thought, yeah, this isn't touching me at all. I'm fine. This doesn't this doesn't bother me. It's okay. I mean it's sad and, and, and dramatic and everything and it's fine. And I realised that just it, it, midway through watching this programme with my son on my knee, I started looking at him and thinking about the last episode of that show where a boy just a little bit older than him had gone missing. And I was like, oh, God, how did I become this? I don't care about this stuff. I'm not worried about the kids going missing. That's just not me at all. I don't know how it happened. What was my point? I can't... Oh, yeah. <laughs> what you, were any of our points? <laughs> you, you, you want them to start having an imagination and doing imaginative play and, and start asking you questions and start questioning your answers and stuff like that. You want all of that stuff. But at the same time, it's a real pain in the ass when it starts happening because they're really easy to handle when they're two. They pretty much just do what you tell them most of the time. But yeah, it's just uh, the uh, the reasons for not doing stuff that you gave that you gave them start to fall away once they get a bit of an imagination and they become a person and then they're teenagers and they hate you. We've got a bit of time to work before we need to worry about that. But. Um, what should we talk about? <laughs> oh, oh what? You, you mentioned Rick and Morty. I did. Um, and I know you listen to Harmontown. Yes, I, I do. Think. Do you know why Rob Schwab isn't on the second Lego movie anymore? No, he was I don't. On, he was on the first one and he was talking about going to Canada to film yeah, the second ages. one and it was going to take ages. And then the last couple of weeks he's been back and they talked about him not being on the Lego, the second Lego movie anymore. But he didn't really, he didn't really want oh, to talk dear. about it anymore. And I'm really glad that he's back. But I don't want anything bad to because I just I've got a real weakness for Rob Schraub. I can't. Yeah, I kind of love him too. I can't stop la- like I. I he's, he's so been, ridiculous. Yeah, he should be annoying, but he's been more responsible for me just laughing hysterically on the bus, and it's really inappropriate than anyone else. I think. With uh, with Harmontown, I find it such a weird show because it's it's one of the only shows I listen to that's like an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Because, because one minute he'll be talking about something really funny, and then he'll be like, "Oh, the politics," and then he'll get someone out of the crowd, and they'll talk about how they're dying or depressed or both or something, and then yeah. you'll be like, "Oh no!" And then he'll do a rap, and I'll start dying laughing again. 
And then I'm like, I don't, I don't know where I am. What's even happening? What a weird show. He's yeah, it is. I my uh, thing. I've not enjoyed a lot of the people that have got out of the audience recently. I normally uh, used to really enjoy it, but I think people have got a bit too canny to it. Um, Adam Goldberg came out of the audience a few weeks ago, and he used to be on it a lot. And they used to go on about how annoying he was, but I've always quite liked him because he at least sort of is quite interesting and intelligent. I think I don't I don't know, and and a bit more entertaining. But the thing that that always frustrates and amuses me at the same time is. I think that Harmon is very is is very analytic, and I think he has got quite a lot of empathy for someone in his position, mm-hmm. and he is very thoughtful about things. But especially at the moment with everything that's going on in the world, he keeps like rubbing up against the limits of his perception, or you know, he keeps rubbing up against his own privilege and not realizing he's doing it. So mm-hmm. he'll he'll talk about things like the other week he was talking about. Um, he landed at LAX and then took part in the protest. And yeah. I think I think it was like the first time he'd ever been to a protest. And I, I you know, I'm not saying I'm, I've never been to one, so I don't know. But like, um, it was the first time he'd ever been at protest and it was like it completely opened his mind that you could be an activist. And suddenly he, a lot of his cynicism fell away and he was talking about all of that stuff. But he said something about how his audience, he was talking to his audience and he was saying, you know, I know you're mostly white. You're my fans, so you are mostly white. And but you're analytic people. You're like you're probably on the spectrum somewhere. You're quite analytic, so you can reason through all this stuff. You know that bigotry's stupid and all of that stuff. And I was like, no, that is not that is not how that works at all. There are plenty of people mm. who are bigots who have reasoned it out, and then they've got their. <laughs> I mean, they're wrong. Yep. They're wrong, but it's not because they're just stupid. It's like it's because those two things don't have anything to do with each other. But it was so sweet listening to him. He was so hopeful and so so deluded (laughs) so it is always quite interesting listening to and he's very white that's the other thing he'll say things like i remember him talking about porn and he was talking there was a a a black friend of his was on stage and he was talking about porn and how in porn there's no such thing as racism because you get loads of situations where you know where there are loads of black men in porn and stuff like that and i was like yeah that's you might be misinterpreting how that whole (laughs) dynamic works a little bit See, I don't, I don't, I don't watch porn, so I don't know. I don't know about porn dynamics. <laughs> oh no, no, I don't mean. I mean, I haven't watched loads of the 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 the, the films. Not, you know, not that isn't that isn't my genre. Is my point. I'm not saying I don't watch porn, Stacey. I'm saying that isn't my genre. But like, um, but like, uh, black men tend to be treated as like a fetish more than anything else in that whole area. So it's not like. It's not like it's... Anyway, never mind. We don't need to get into all this. Uh, <laughs> we have gone so wildly off the topic of Lego Batman. <laughs> yeah, but it's good though, yeah? Yeah, it was really good. Oh, how hard did you recommend everybody go and see it? Because I think I think the world needs a laugh. And I'm pretty sure you'll get it. Like, for me, I always go by Mark Kermode's laugh test. And he basically says, if a film makes you laugh about five times, then it succeeded in being a funny movie. Yeah. And this this made me laugh five times in the opening sequence alone. <laughs> so, sold. So good. I Loved think it. The, I think I like the trailer more than I did for the first Lego movie anyway. So it's sort of... I think yeah. it's, yeah. I mean, I love the Lego movie, but I think this is like like worlds above it in terms of storyline and characters and voice acting i'm kind of in love with will on at the moment though because i just recently finished binge watching bojack horseman oh, and right. oh, 
Oh, it's so good though. I just I can't quite he, know how good it is. Did he have another like a live action show on Netflix? I think I started watching the first episode. Uh, and I don't know. I know he was in Arrested Development, and I know he plays Vernon Fenwick in the live-action Turtles movies. <laughs> That's about all I know about Will on it. Have you seen the increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margaret? Oh, I've seen the first series, yeah. and I wasn't 100% so I liked it to an extent. And so the hubby watched the other series without me and was like, oh, no, you need to watch those. They're amazing. Oh, oh great. Thanks. It gets increasingly <laughs> weird. It's like... <laughs> You, it's it is really good, but we watched the first series together and we're really excited. And I think we watched the first episode of the second series, and neither of us bothered with the rest of it. And then I rewatched it again recently. I've I've been on a bit of a a thing of catching up with the sitcoms that that we tuned out because, like Fresh Meat, I watched like two or three series of Fresh Meat as as well. And um, yeah, no, it's it's good, but we're, and it is weird. But Will Arnett's really really good in that as well. He mm-hmm. plays this. Well, you saw the first series, didn't you? So he's he's that character throughout, but he's just so over the top and so alpha male, cocky, but at the same time so desperate. It's and, and actually not very good. That it's um, <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's good. It's good. He is good. I think he's very talented. I think he is too. I'm just realizing how much we've how long we've been waffling, and um, and we've only really talked about about one, one thing, thing and yeah. it and it was the thing that i i was talking about um so i feel like i should be a good host and say nick is there anything you would like to talk about because we've been waffling forever <laughs> oh god okay so um the only film like i we don't watch a lot of films we don't watch a lot of grown-up films anymore because we're knackered so we end up watching one of our murder shows in the evening like <laughs> Uh, like Criminal Minds or, or something like that. Or we, we seem to have two hospital dramas on the go at the moment, which is very, very weird. Because if you've got two on the go at the same time, you start to really realise how formulaic those things are. Like, <laughs> I think we watched... Um, we're watching a show called... I, I don't want to talk about this that much. But we're watching a show called Code Black, which is a hospital drama. And we're also watching a show called Chicago Med, which is the chicago verse there's chicago fire chicago pd and chicago med and i think there's going to be chicago law that are all by produced by the same guy and they have the same people <laughs> dropping in and so you'll be watching chicago med and the paramedics bringing in certain patients will be the paramedics from chicago fire it's really weird but the geek in me the comic geek in me really likes it because i really <laughs> like that sort of shared universe thing but there was um there was this we're not watching them completely we're not watching them as they come out and uh recently i was watching we were watching one of them and there was a um a a patient in it and we were saying well i that's weird we i recognize her and amy didn't quite recognize her but i was looking at i was like i know her from something but i'm not sure what and then it turned out that she was trans um and that was because she didn't announce it at first because she didn't you know she she wanted to keep her privacy there was a medical drama because of it sort of thing mm-hmm. and i was like but i recognize this i recognize this story um, or i recognize her and i recognize her in that context because i knew that was going to be the thing and then i remembered that we'd seen her in an episode of code black and then i went on to and, and it was almost exactly the same story and then i went on to imdb and it's actually a trans actor that, that this woman's actually a trans actor I went on to IMDb and there was an episode of Code Black and an episode of Chicago Med and they were broadcast in the same week. 
with the exact oh, same gosh. story with the exact same actress. So that's a bit weird. So anyway, so we're watching loads of those dumb procedurals, but um, obviously I'm I'm watching and rewatching lots of kids movies. Um, I know more about Frozen than it's it's normal to I know. I hate that film so much. I am. Um, it's impossible to say whether I hate it or not at this point because Stockholm syndrome has well and truly kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> but we watched we watched Moana, and unfortunately, um, it, it's a little bit too scary for my son to watch, the older son to watch. So I haven't watched it that many times. But I really like Moana. Have I really want no, I really want to see that because I've heard such good things. But I am really scared because I'd heard nothing but good things about Frozen before I saw it, and right. then I was like, "Well, this is shit." So <laughs> I think I think Moana's a Disney and not a Pixar again, isn't it? It it. Mm. The, the style of it feels a lot more like I think because um, I haven't seen Hercules, <gasps> but what I have Hercules seen is Hercules, amazing. The 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 biggest problem I find with Frozen and and it's sort of an issue with Tangled as well, but I like Tangled a lot more. Is that the even though some of the CG animation is beautiful, the actual character designs are just fairly ordinary, Generic. especially on the female yeah. characters. And th- and there's a little bit of that with Moana, but she is obviously sort of a Pacific Islander, and and they've so she she looks different from the other Disney princesses just by dint of that, really. Mm-hmm. But like the, the 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 character designs on Maui, who's the other main character you see, and on some of the animals are much more sort of they're much more stylized and interesting than I think anything in Frozen really is. Yeah, which which is quite nice. And there's a there's a weird. Um, because Maui has all of these tattoos all over him, I'm never like it's not Hawaiian, and I'm not really sure if I'm getting the geography right. I guess Pacific Islander is the best way to put it, and I don't want to get it wrong. But like he's got all of these tattoos, but the design of them reminds me a lot of some of the stylized stuff in Hercules, what I've seen of it. So yeah. there are whole musical numbers where his tattoos start moving around, and it and it's really similar to that. You're seeing these sort of old old fashioned, not old fashioned, like ancient depictions of mythological stuff going on and it's quite exciting and weirdly even though maui is obviously dwayne johnson because it's obviously his voice you can tell it's really distinctive there are loads of bits where he acts just like jack black his mannerisms are really similar to jack black it's very strange and the way it approaches music is really different from like it's it's a fairly generic well i don't know if it is that generic because she is sort of a princess but she's not really she's just the she's the chief's daughter but there's no romantic interest or or anything in it and she defies her father but the path she's on is pretty much the same as a young like boy chieftain son story would be you know Mm -hmm. he doesn't he's still she's still supposed to be taking over and she's a good leader and all of this stuff and i don't really know the mythology so i don't know how respectful it is really uh, I haven't heard loads of complaints about them really messing with the mythology or the the story or anything like that. But yeah, Moana's the way it approaches music is completely different to Frozen and Tangled. Really, those films, it felt like they had to have the songs in there because they wanted there to be a soundtrack and they wanted there to be catchy songs and stuff. I feel like without the songs, those two movies would fall on their faces a little bit. I mean, I love Tangled, but I think particularly Frozen, without the songs, that that movie would be so forgettable. Well, yeah, when you watch it a few hundred times, uh, Kristen Bell is kind of adorable, but there aren't really that many memorable performances in it besides her. And um, yeah. and the thing you notice when you've watched it maybe two or three thousand times is all of the songs happen in the first half, and yeah. then it's all just action in the last half. It's really weird. Where I, I haven't seen Moana enough to know if that's the case, but it, it does a lot more with, and I think 
I, I haven't heard any anything. I haven't really heard anything about Hamilton, so I don't know. But the guy who did Hamilton wrote some of the songs on Moana, and it's like yeah. the way it handles the musical elements is much more sort of like musical theatre, where mm-hmm. pretty much the first twenty minutes is sort of it's not one extended song, but they keep dipping in and out of these musical themes that are going on and these song themes that are going on, which I which makes it kind of weird because the songs end up not quite as catchy. Some of them. You you keep recalling refrains from it, but it's difficult to remember a whole song because they dip in and out of this one long sequence. Mm-hmm. But it, it just makes the film feel more sort of kind of lovely and musical. And there are some really good gags in it and there are some really good visual gags. And Jermaine Clements in... Ah, I didn't know he was in it. I love him. Yeah, he's he's great. And um and there are a few moments where it reflects it reflects older um older Disney films. It's got a really cheeky meta element to it a couple of times and it's it's normally around around the scenes that he's in and it it has some like some visually stunning sequences there's a scene do you know nightmare before christmas or does that fit your stop motion that you don't like (laughs) no that movie is just on the cusp of uncomfortable for me to watch so i i actually do really like it though (laughs) there's a there's a sequence in that film where um I think it's with Oogie Boogie where the there's a song and suddenly the lights go out and it's all black light and so you know where you, you know ultraviolet light where you can so you can everything's everything looks neony yeah all yeah. of the bits of him that would reflect reflect really neony and it looks really creepy and they do the same thing they do the same thing in the scene with Jermaine Clement because he plays this giant godlike crab creature and uh, and they pull a really similar lighting effect. There's just some gorgeous stuff in it. I don't know. I don't know if the whole film would like appeal, but there are certain sequences that I keep thinking about and dipping into, and there are themes from it that I just I, I find I'm humming to myself at work a lot. That's not necessarily something they're good though, because I end up humming loads of old shit. <laughs> I do really, and no, I think I'm going to have to see Moana because, th- despite the fact that I've got a Cineworld card, I've been really terrible at going to the cinema this year so far because I still haven't seen La La Land either, which I've heard very, very good things about, and I really want to see. Well, that's a musical as well, isn't it? Is that- it is, yeah. I mean, I'm really weird about musicals though. Like, I can accept them in animation, and I can accept them on a stage, but I struggle with them in movies and TV shows right. because the con the and it it depends on what the conceit for the singing and dancing is. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Like, yeah, I'm I'm very weird about about musicals. They have to the music and the performances have to be like really spot on for me to give it a pass for being so weird. It seems to be the thing as well, alongside uh, playing someone who's mentally ill or something. That like it it sometimes feels a bit to me like there are people whose entire career is committed to musical theatre. And it used to be a thing you could do in film, but now it's mainly a thing people do on stage, and that's their life. And they don't mm. try and make films, but then anyone who's after an Oscar or something will uh, <laughs> will do a musical when they've never done anything yeah. like that before. And it's like, all right, you couldn't you couldn't just leave someone else something else. You you had to <laughs> Emma Stone. You don't need to be in a musical. <laughs> I have a feeling that I read somewhere that Emma Watson was supposed to be in that and said no. So they got another Emma. Yeah, okay. just 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 get another Emma. Whatevs. She's probably doing Beauty and the Beast, isn't she, Emma Watson? She is. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how I feel about that film either because I haven't seen the animated version of that since I was a teeny tiny kid. But I remember uh, th- that movie always bothered me as a kid because I always loved the singing furnitures and stuff, and they're adorable, and the song "Be Our Guest" is great. But I was always cross 
at the fact that the beast never let her go, even when he started getting nice. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that she fell in love with him because I was like, <laughs> even as a kid, I was like, I'm sorry. Nobody thought, like, you wouldn't fall in love with a bear if you spent enough time no. with a bear, would you? Because it looks like a fucking bear. So, so there's the, like, in my, like, child logic head, it's like, look at that man, though. You would never, like, full on, you'd never, like, snog him and that, would you? Because <laughs> look at him. <laughs> I wondered if that's where you were going to go with that because it hasn't it got a similar message to Shrek, which is it spends the whole film telling you it doesn't matter what you look like, it's what's inside that counts, and then it finishes with the person transforming into something that looks more like something that's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. um, can I just create an edit point here? Would it be okay if I ran for a quick wee, like a very quick wee? I'm sure I can. Yeah, I'm sure I can allow that. back yay the uh we mentioned Kristen bell mm-hmm. and it just reminded me have you watched the good place yet um yeah some of it rich has watched it all and i've watched sporadic bits of it because my tolerance for Kristen bell is not great that's cool we don't need to talk about it then but at the moment <laughs> at the moment that's the at the moment that's one of the the probably the only sitcom we're watching together that we both really enjoy so but i I can see it being quite irritating for some people because it's so odd. Like, yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. The ending was great. I don't want to say too much I about it for. Okay, I definitely don't want to say anything. In fact, I'll just shut my mouth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nick, yes. I wanted to ask you: Have you got around to watching Train to Busan yet? Oh yeah, that wasn't oh, one. Man. That wasn't one of the things we listed at the beginning. So I didn't. No, know. Um, it wasn't. But we can talk about it. Did what did you, you think about it? We. I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that sounds like I've got there's a but, but a there bat. isn't. There isn't. Really I was going to say it, it's it's quite weird because if it was an American, well, not if it was an an American film. If it was a different film, the zombies might have bothered me because they're sometimes quite good, but there's sometimes like quite a lot of sort of almost weightless CGI stuff going on with yeah. them. But mm-hmm. it didn't matter because the stuff they were doing with them was so inventive and so intense. That like, and there were so many of them, and it was difficult to imagine that there were that many people in the town. So they were... <laughs> yeah, there was there was a little bit of that. I am. Um, this is the first zombie movie that's ever made me cry. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, we were was... gutted at the end. Like... It's so stressful. <laughs> it's so stressful. But the one thing, because I did briefly mention this on the last episode, but the the guys uh, the guys from Turtle Power Pod hadn't seen it, so I'm going to spoil it this time. Mm-hmm. The thing that I really liked about the film is that. A woman and a child are the only ones to make it to the end. Yeah. And like that's not to say that uh any of the guys in it deserve to die or that the women didn't need help from the guys because the lady was quite heavily pregnant and the other one was a small child. Uh, but it was just nice to see a movie where, like, you know, the women <laughs> are still alive at the end. Um because I also went to see John Wick Two the other day and got cross at the sheer lack of women in it. Uh, and the fact that uh, one of the women in it doesn't even get to actually say actual words. So, That's not yeah. good. There aren't many women in the first one, are there, I don't think? No, and I'm pretty sure one of them's is Mrs. Who's dead, who Before you only see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't even really, you only really see photographs and stuff. Yeah, John Wick's a weird, a weird movie, though, because I was having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day about how 
it narked me a little bit that there were so many because it's difficult for me to spoil John Wick 2 uh, unless I told you the exact ending which I won't mm. because it's essentially the first movie again it's just John Wick going around murdering a bunch of nameless henchmen to get to someone and it, yeah I, d- I don't know how I feel on the, the lack of women front because on the one hand I was cross that the only one that really gets well the only two that really get prominently featured one only speaks in sign language which is fine because you know that's representation there that doesn't appear in many other places mm-hmm. but it does mean that the women speaking roles then drop down to one and that particular lady she's not in it very much either so I was having this conversation that, you know, he's killing so many henchmen. It doesn't matter if some of those are women then, surely. But then my friend brought up the point of, yes, but do we really want to see swathes of women getting murdered by by Keanu Reeves? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that is a good point. Hmm." And now I don't know where I stand on this movie because I was like, I want you to be more inclusive, but also don't kill everyone who's a woman. I think I think it's isn't it isn't it the the way representation works though is if there were loads of other action films that featured women really really prominently it just wouldn't it wouldn't be an issue the odd one that doesn't really have them in yeah but because yeah. because you know that almost no almost none of these movies do have anyone who isn't just the romantic lead or or whatever mm-hmm. it is more frustrating when you see something that doesn't have any I watched um, we watched a film called Morgan and again I won't talk about it loads and I still I'm it's one of those films where it's a bit flat and I wasn't sure if I liked it afterwards, but I do think about it a lot, which is is kind of quite telling. But yeah. the the interesting thing about that is, uh, aside from the fact that it could fit into the Bourne movie universe quite easily because Brian Cox is in it and he plays almost exactly the same character as he plays in those movies. Not the mm-hmm. scientist, the, the one I like, the <laughs> other one. But it's about, um, it's about this sort of uh, artificial, this... It's sort of science fiction-y, but it's a thriller, and it's about this um, experiment to create an artificial life form. And she's called Morgan, and she's a beautiful young woman. But this female insurance investigator is sent by the company who's um, who's doing the whole thing, you know, who's funding the whole thing to see if this is a project that needs to be left to its own devices or, or um, if they've got to pull the plug on it. And it's actually like... There are male characters in it, and some of them are in quite prominent positions, but the artificial life form is a beautiful young woman, and the insurance investigator, I think, you know, she's a risk assessment, she's not an insurance investigator, she's a risk assessment person, is also played by, is also a woman, and that, you almost never see that, that's like, it's not unusual to have an artificial life person be female and it's almost got creepy connotations at this point because it's like no the she is always a woman (laughs) and it's nearly always a man has fallen in love with them or something the man who created them has fallen in love with them or something it's just creepy at this point but Mm. um but this is a really different take on that story and it's and it's quite interesting but it is also a bit weird but you never see it and so I, i almost want to like the film more (laughs) <laughs> because you never see that. There just aren't yeah. any female-fronted action thrillers or horror thrillers or anything like that. So, yeah, I know what you mean. This is why I got a little bit cross at Rogue One, because it tried to bamboozle women by saying, look, one's a woman, so it's fine. Mm. But she's pretty much one of four women. And I'm saying four very loosely because one of them is a very brief appearance from Princess Leia right at the end. Mm. <laughs> um, so it's that like that barely even counts. And and again, it's another one of those situations where there's a bunch of them who go off on a mission. Why couldn't one or two more of them have been women? Well, it's not. It doesn't make any difference when they don't. Are you still there? Hello. Have any? 
Oh, you, hello. You, you broke up a little bit there. But yeah, oh, you're hello. right. The, the representation in that film is really strange because Riz Ahmed is literally the only person in it who... Well, I don't know if he's literally the only person, but there are two Asian guys in it and one of them's a martial artist. And the other one's his mate. Um, people have sort of uh, there's. A, I actually saw someone tweet about it today that there's one. I think maybe there've been some photos of the cast. Yeah, photos of the cast for Han Solo have come out, and um, the I think there's maybe only one woman on the, in the photo, but it's another white, uh, white brunette English woman. <laughs> <laughs> so sort of saying that like that there must be one planet somewhere where all of the non-white or like blonde and ginger women are in, in the Star Wars universe because oh, they aren't in any of the films. <laughs> then they're just not showing up. Um, it's annoying though because Rogue One is a really good movie. <laughs> so I was really cross that I came out of it th- like thinking, ah, oh, but what about the women's though? But- I am. Um, I think I don't know if my expectations are maybe too high for it. I think that. I think that I could see maybe like quarter of an hour or 20 minutes of it that could have been cut and I'd have loved it. But there was loads that I just, I, I just, I, I had a really weird experience watching Rogue One because I think some of the best scenes that have ever been in a Star Wars film are in it. Mm-hmm. So much of it annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, okay, I can see that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. You, you saw Hidden, what's it called? Fig- Hidden, Hidden Figures. figures. I did. I'm struggling with that movie, to be honest. Because, <laughs> and this is going to be so much white privilege and mm-hmm. and ignorance on my behalf. But I know that racism has always existed, and that we have come a very long way mm-hmm. uh, in terms of treatment of non-white people. Mm-hmm. And I know that we've still got a really awfully long way to go. But I'd never quite twigged in my head that it was as bad as it was until I saw this movie, um, which is about three ladies who worked at NASA in like the 60s, um, who were trying to so basically one was trying to become an engineer mm-hmm. and another one was working on the uh, the mathematics that would get people into space, into an orbit and then back down without killing them. And the other one was trying to become a, a supervisor, which obviously, uh, being black and ladies was in the 60s, <laughs> was just yeah. a nightmare. But it was stuff like, um, there's a, there are a few scenes in the film where the lady who's working on the maths equations and stuff has to run across, like a mile across the NASA like campus mm-hmm. to get to the coloured ladies' toilets. Oh yeah. Um yeah. and then and then runs back later. And then there's like a really emotionally powerful scene where one of the guys is tearing her a new one. Like, where do you go for forty mm-hmm. fucking minutes every couple of hours for God's sake? And she just loses her shit. She's like, I go to the fucking toilet, but of mm-hmm. course it's all the way over there. Yeah. because apparently I can't pee next to white ladies and like just, you know, and they're, they're making a drink out of a separate coffee jug and it's, mm-hmm. she doesn't need, you know, it's a coffee jug. You literally pour your coffee from it. You, nobody's mouths touch it. It's not like she's licking the thing. And mm. I got so cross at that. I think I came out feeling the entirely wrong way. Mm. I think it was supposed to be a really uplifting movie about <laughs> about black women achieving things against the odds but i just came out really cross that that people were ever treated like that and it makes me really mad that some people still think that way i think this might be the wrong time to see this movie to be honest well or it might be exactly (laughs) the right time because a lot of people don't (laughs) even realize that stuff i think i mean that's interesting i because the criticism i've heard of the film was that it has all of that stuff in it but that ultimately it's quite 
some of the stuff in it, like some of the relationship stuff in it, is quite generic, and you're not sure how oh, it's accurate. Quite it was. tame. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't heard anyone talk about it making them properly angry, but it should. <laughs> I think it probably should, and I think I think it's probably one of those films that, like, certainly none of the uh, black people I know have any illusions about that stuff having gone on. Mm-hmm. So maybe it is an up. Maybe it is more uplifting to finally see some of these stories being told, and in a and in a way that doesn't. Because one thing, one thing I heard people criticizing um, Django and Twelve Years a Slave or or whatever it was called uh, was that like it's it's kind of become a bit of a it's kind of become a bit of a trope the anguish of black people mm. in films to make white people feel good about how awful they feel about that having happened. If yeah. that makes sense. So nearly every time you see a story about how racist things were, it's it's one that really involves grueling scenes of violence towards people and stuff like that. And I don't think that's particularly nice for people of colour to watch, and they know it happened anyway, if, yeah. if that makes sense. But, I mean, yeah, I no, good. I, I think that's, that sounds really good, because it is, uh, we kind of we joked about it earlier, but like, and not joked, but it isn't just, it isn't just black women, but obviously it is important that black women are also recognized in these situations but women are almost completely erased from science yeah yeah totally erased from science and it's um it's one of the things that really winds me up when because i'm an atheist but when people stop on the internet stop banging on about how irrational religion is and how rational good atheists are and all of that stuff i'm like yeah you're you're assuming a lot when they start going on about how much they fucking love science as Mm -hmm. if it's the one beacon of reason in an otherwise cruel world. It's like, no, science has pretty much been a total sausage party for all this time <laughs> as, as well. Like, it really has. And some of the, some of the, I don't, I don't know enough to really, I, I can only ever blag about it, but what's his name? The Alan Turing, for example, his story's awful. And that only happened in the last century as well, because he was a gay dude who invented technology and science and made discoveries that were going to impact on all of our lives and he pretty much got like ostracized from the science community and for having the audacity to to do something better than a straight man yeah and died because of it sort of thing so it's it's yeah no good i mean it, it should it should, probably should we probably should be more angry i think <laughs> the, pr- the problem with this film though because like i mean it's difficult to say that i enjoyed it because uh, i mean i did but it it was um how do I even put this? It wasn't a difficult watch in the sense that, like, you know, as you were saying, there's no scenes where people get, like, beaten up or mm-hmm. uh, anything like that. It's, it's. I think it was the casualness of the segregation that bothered me. Yeah. Because, like you say, I'm used to seeing movies where it's, like, the plight of the black person and, you know, these terrible things happen and it's all grim and horrible whereas this, it was like, here's a black person just living their everyday life and, oh, guess what, they're just like you, except for some reason you won't let them use the same water fountain and it's it's how casual it is about separating people Hmm. and i I understand that's what it was like and i understand as well that it was a lot worse in america than it ever was here which might be why i'm not at all used to that level of weirdness but the the problem with the movie is that it tries to build this up like see black women can do this as well and like women can be good at science but then it peters out before any of them actually achieve anything (laughs) like the movie sort of ends 
with you know the that typical thing when it's based on true stories of such and such went on to achieve blah 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 and uh, and this other bird went off and did this other thing science science etc mm-hmm. and i was like oh those would have been good bits to see actually <laughs> that sounds like yeah that sounds like a craft I, I think that one of the reviews i heard of it might have covered roughly the same stuff that like they chose really like isn't isn't there some stuff where um the woman the woman has this really unsupportive husband and he's just a deadbeat but loads loads of the film is spent seeing him not really understanding what it is that she's trying to do by having a living and being like this scientist and there's lots of that sort of hallmark channel there's a lot of focus on that stuff when it could have stretched out a little bit further and like yeah yeah i can yeah i can i can see that as a criticism that makes sense i think i think i'd heard about this film when we watched the martian recently yeah and (laughs) and i and and so i was thinking about that this real life story of what happened and then i was watching yet another film where matt damon gets left somewhere (laughs) <laughs> and, and people move heaven and earth to, to rescue him and i didn't think it was a particularly good movie either like st- structurally so yeah i it was just like i don't know and i think part of the problem is because so, there are so few films about those stories or even as you said like there are so few films that have any sort of that sort of representation in them at all that you end up wanting the ones that do happen that you do end up getting to watch to be better or to achieve yeah. more or something because they've they've got a lot more weight to carry. I don't know. I do want I do want to watch it, but I have to be honest. I'm not I'm not super excited because I, I wondered um, about that Hallmark channel-y. I'm yeah. not that interested in 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 fact factual stuff anyway. I'm terrible. <laughs> well, I mean the the stuff about the actual sort of inner workings of NASA and stuff was actually really interesting. But I'm yeah. I mean the. I think it's worth watching because it's not a particularly like it's not a stupidly long film, so it's not going to take up too much of your life. Um, and I think it's interesting enough, and I think the performances are fabulous. Mm. Janelle Monae particularly stuck out to me because I've never seen her act before, but I love her music, so I was well excited for. Well, that that combination of excited and oh, what if she's shit though? <laughs> she yeah. should just like stay in her musical lane. But no, she's she's really amazing. And there's some cracking outfits in it. That was a very lady thing to say, but I don't <laughs> care. Uh, yeah, no, it's. A, I think I definitely think it's worth watching. But yeah, I think they could have shaved a little bit of the sort of cheesy look. The, the thing is, I'm not that interested in cheesy love story business yeah. anyway. Like, that's not, you know, I've never been a particularly big fan of, like, rom-coms and, and stuff. And, it, like, one of the big reasons I, I enjoyed Rogue One was because there was no forced love interest yeah. romantic storyline in there. So, yeah, this, this does get a bit annoying because you, you're thinking, well, you know, I understand we need a bit of background on these people to understand where they're coming from and stuff, but the, the thing about, about the, the plot that you were talking about with the deadbeat husband is that he completely flip-flops for absolutely no reason right at the end of the movie anyway. And he has a little cry and a laugh. He's like, oh, you go do whatever you want, you fucking badass bitch. They don't mm. swear anywhere near as much as I'm making out that no. they do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and then, like, so it gets to the end of that storyline and you think, well, what was that even <sighs> there for? <laughs> like, um, they, they wanted to show that they were also juggling home lives and stuff like that. But Yeah, I guess. Like, yeah. But we've seen that film. So. Yeah, I, di- I didn't really need yeah. that, to be honest. You know, they, they were having a hard enough time at work. <laughs> but um, I would say it's worth seeing. God, I really need to like wrap this shit up. But I really <laughs> need to talk about two things. 
First is Legion. I want to know what you feel about Legion, but really quickly. Right. <laughs> I, I've seen the first episode. I absolutely love yeah. it. I love the character. I love the character anyway. And and they've been talking about the New Mutants issues with him in on Jane Jane Mars Explain the X-Men, so he's really fresh in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. The first episode was great. I've been worried about watching the second episode just because I can't fathom out in my head how they can maintain the quality and it still be coherent because the first episode's quite incoherent deliberately Mm -hmm. and so i'm expecting a drop off in quality and i don't know if there'll be enough there that i'll like if that happens okay but have you watched i've seen episode i've seen episode two Uh i still love it it definitely is a bit more uh what's the word i'm looking for linear than the um than the first episode but it is still i think the thing i really like about it is it really it really comes close to the line between intriguingly weird uh, and just like pretentious and infuriating. Yeah. It comes <laughs> um, so close to that line in the first it's, episode. It's, yeah, it's re- it's so close, but it just airs on the intriguingly weird. Because I mean, anybody who's listened to my my podcast before will know that I'm not very good at memory stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it hard to follow comics if there's like big gaps in between them coming out i find it hard to follow tv series if there's big gaps in between them like i'll just forget who people are and what they do Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm just the absolute worst so i struggle with things like this a lot of the time because i'm trying really hard to follow it to make sure i don't forget what happens before the next episode but there's no following the first episode of this it's so weird um and i was scared sort of halfway through that i was just going to lose it and be like no this is this is too weird and i can't handle it Um, but it like you say it just creeps up to that line but it never quite crosses it and i think the reason i particularly liked it is um i've fallen out with all of the other uh comic book based tv shows really uh i I didn't particularly like daredevil series 2 i never finished luke cage because i thought it was crap I'm sticking with The Flash, but I'm not enjoying this series very much. I've dropped Supergirl, I've dropped Legends, I've dropped Arrow. Uh, I've never watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, I think that's about it, isn't it? Those are two. Legends of Tomorrow and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are the ones I are the only ones I wait for and I kind of watch everything. I watch The Flash just because I like the characters. I don't really enjoy the individual episodes that much. So yeah. I, really, I really like just the huge casts in legends of tomorrow and ages of shield there's always something going on that i can latch on to but i know what you mean so sorry carry on i think um the reason i like this so much is because the problem with those shows is i find that they're all a bit too similar um in tone and in storylines and stuff whereas this just came right out of the i've I've had a hole in my heart since hannibal finished for a weird and stylish tv show and i think legion might be it i think it might be my new weird and stylish thing i don't quite understand but but i enjoy the ride off (laughs) see i'm i'm quite excited because the third and final season of leftovers is starting soon and that that fills that spot for me but i really liked do you know, the only thing is, thinking about that first episode of Legion, I love the main guy who, he was on Downton Abbey, of all things. Oh, really? And, and he was in a film called The Guest. He's in the first, like, series and a half, I think, of Downton Abbey. That's maybe a bit of a spoiler of what happens to him. And um, But he looked completely <laughs> different. He was quite, in- he looked English. I was going to say pudgy, but what I really mean is, when he went to Hollywood, he lost loads of weight and got, like, ripped a, a little bit. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. he, he wasn't ever pudgy before, but he was like, <laughs> but, um, and he's in a film called The Guest, which is worth watching. It's got this really... That 80s, is a very good film. Yeah, yeah. And, and we watched the whole of that, having only just seen the episodes of Downton Abbey with him in. Didn't realise it was him until like we tried to see what else this guy had been in. It was so weird. But I only really remember him and Aubrey Plaza from the first episode. I don't think I really cared about anyone else. <laughs> I love yeah, Aubrey the, Plaza, though, so... She, yeah, she was absolutely wonderful in it. Mm. I, yeah, I didn't know what to expect from this because I don't know the character mm. and I don't know the comics and I'm not usually a big fan of X-Men. So I went into this fully expecting to be checked out by the end of the episode, but um, I think it's wonderful. This wasn't me talking briefly about it at all, was it? No, we um, did a bad job of that. <laughs> well, the, uh, the, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before I move on to my absolute last thing? Definitely. For some reason, <laughs> uh, for some reason, mentioning Aubrey Plaza made me realise something that I've been wanting to talk to someone about for ages, and it isn't a huge thing. Do you watch Brooklyn Ninety Nine? I do. Right, are you are you up to date with it till just before the hiatus? Uh, I believe I am. There's a there's a whole episode where I can't remember the names. the The main guy's girlfriend and the annoying receptionist are trying Amy to are, and Gina. Yeah, are trying to convince the the little uh, little guy not to. I should really learn their names. <laughs> the, the little guy not to keep texting all the time that they're in yes. a, they're in a group and and mm-hmm. it ends with something really shocking that nobody on the internet seemed to talk about afterwards. I know I know people who watch this program, but it, it ended with something on something, on someone walking out into the middle of the road and then a truck hitting them. Do you remember this? I do. <laughs> that had entirely escaped my brain until you just mentioned it. Shit. I have no idea. I really don't. I'm like, <laughs> oh, so is that, just, is that just it then? It looked fairly it then, but it's... A, sitcom so anything really could happen but i don't i didn't i know loads of people i know watch that program and i haven't seen anybody talking about it and i I watched that episode knowing i was watching it a little bit after everyone else did and was just completely stunned because i really wasn't expecting it yeah i'd uh i think i'd uh i'd repress that because i i remember when i I remember it now you've said it but when i was watching it with rich i was like what yeah. How could that be the end of a thing? And then, then I completely forgot about it. Uh, I don't well. think I realised it was about to go on hiatus either. So now I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? I don't what understand. On, uh, oh dear. Okay. It's good. good I just yeah, I, I, re- I really like that show, and I found that it was one of those shows I watched the whole first episode, thinking, well, this is just too stupid. I'm not going to enjoy this. But then I think, I think the chief. Um, oh, I love him so much. It was the reason I came back for the second episode, and then and now I just love it. And I think he's probably my favourite character, but I kind of like all of them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Terry, don't do talking about Brooklyn Ninety Nine for too long. What did you <laughs> want to talk about? Well, the last thing I just wanted to mention, and I can't, can't talk too much about this because it isn't out yet, is that about two hours before we started recording, I got the news that Raygun and Starburst Series Two is finished. Oh yeah, that's exciting. Oh shit, man! I am. I feel sick. <laughs> like, okay. So, for anybody who hasn't listened to episodes from like late last year, I got cast in series two of Raygun and Starburst, uh, which is an audio drama, comedy, sci-fi, action, fun time sort of Hitchhiker's Guide esque, but not. I don't really know how to describe it, but it's amazing. As the librarian, and it's my first foray into voice acting. And now that I know that it's out there, it's finished. 
and it's going to be sent out to the Indiegogo backers with the early bird link, like in the next few days. I am now 100% bricking it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so scared because I'm one of only two new people to the cast for this series, and um, and I've never done it before, at, like anything like it before. And we rec- <laughs> I recorded my bits really quickly in a weekend because it was my anniversary weekend and I really wanted to get home back to it. <laughs> I remember because <laughs> you were just down the road and we didn't even see you. I know, bastards. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I don't. I'm um, like, go and listen to it. By the time this episode comes out, because I'm a terrible editor, it might even be out on general release. I don't know. But um, if it is, you should go and listen to it, and then tell me whether or not you thought it was good. Because I don't think I'm going to be able to bring myself to listen to it <laughs> because I'm scared that I'm going to stick out like a big amateur sore thumb. But it was good times recording it, and I'm frightened. Really frightened. I'm sure. I'm sure Ian did a good enough job on on the edit that it'll, it'll <laughs> be fine. He's just cut me out completely. <laughs> I think um, it is a great. The first series was great, and it was like yeah. I spent. I spent a lot of it. I spent a, again. I spent a lot of the first episode because I know a few of the people involved, and I know um, Ollie and Ian quite well. So I spent the first episode sort of flinching while I listened to it, thinking. Is this just going to be silly? Is it just going to be like listening to some mates fucking around? And am I going to have to comment on it later? Because, <laughs> because I think Ian knew I was listening to it. But I very, very quickly I got over that, and I think like it's. I think you're going to be. I think you're going to be good, Stacey. You're good at this stuff. Uh, I hope so. Like I, it's uh, it's something. I, voice acting is something I would really like to do, and I did get really good feedback when we were there but i don't know whether that really good feedback was spurned on by the fact that i almost had a panic attack in the studio (laughs) so yeah i'm genuinely nervous now uh about anyone ever listening to it like part of me wants everybody i know to listen to it and feedback to me but also for like nobody to ever hear it (laughs) yeah i understand that Um, and I also don't ever want to have to read like reviews of it in case they go, oh, this was great, except that one bird who was shit, yeah. meaning me, because that would make me really sad. Oh, God, I'm so scared. I think most of the people, I, I think the thing about stuff like that as well is, and I don't I don't say this uh, to speak to the quality of it at all, uh, to the quality of this sort of homegrown grassroots stuff, but most of the people listening to it or reading it or whatever kind of want they're rooting for they're rooting for it do you know what i mean mm-hmm. so yeah. it's not like um it's not like when dc bring out a movie or something and people are kind of they're ready they're kind of almost ready to tear it a new one whether it's any good or not a lot of time. <laughs> mm. that's not not just dc i mean people can criticize like the any of those spandex movies i guess um or or something big like that you know it, it's a lot of the first wave of people who are listening are friends of the people who are involved anyway <laughs> And then it kind of yeah, stretches... you've all got to be nice to me. <laughs> yeah, and again, then it kind of stretches out to um to like like minded people that they know and stuff like that. And I think I think people tend to be rooting for this smaller scale stuff. It's like um you know Doctor Who didn't exist as anything except those big Finnish audio books for years, and everyone's always amazing about those. But the second it was a TV series again, I think that's because <laughs> the audio books were really really good. I think, but also because people have slightly lower expectations of of something smaller yeah, you know yeah. the second you've got actors and everything on a screen it has to be like i'm not sure what my point is really i'm sure it's fine stacy i'm sure it's good <laughs> i'm sure you're adequate it's like <laughs> yeah well i was gonna say i'm hoping for uh average 
or slightly better than. <laughs> so yeah. if, uh, if that's the sort of rating I'll get, I'll be happy. <laughs> it's your first thing. So if, yeah, so that'd be really, really cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> wouldn't it, though? Um, Ian's a good it, editor. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is true. I am... Um, I did. There was there was one scene that I did. It well, actually, it wasn't a scene. It was an advert because we we did little adverts for other things within the show as well. And when I did that, everybody fell about laughing in the uh, little recording booth thing. So I think that's a good thing. I think that means I did it quite well, unless yeah. they were just laughing at how terrible I was and didn't want to tell me. It's all validation. If they're laughing, you can claim that that's what you're going <laughs> for. Exactly. Ah, Nick. Yes. You do podcasts and stuff. Do you want to tell people where they can find those and you on the internet? Oh, gosh, yeah. So there's twogrownmen.net, which is me and my podcast spouse, uh, the ever unreliable James, <laughs> um, who was going to be on this. I was uh, I was going to do a, uh, do an impersonation of him earlier on uh, just to, uh, to make it like he was here, but you know we filled the time it's fine uh, but that's about uh parenting and and being feckless um mentally ill men and then we have issues as a podcast it's a podcast that's positive about comics you can find that at we have issues.net um and on the uh, the itunes and places like that as well that's that really that's me in a cast jolly thousand jolly good um if you want to follow me the best place is to go to twitter i am at stacy's parlor stacy with an e parlor with a u or you can join the facebook group stacy's pop culture parlor or find me on itunes and stitcher and other places the shop doesn't exist anymore and also i'm going to be marching for the nhs on the 4th of march in london so if you see me there do a wave i'm waving now you can't <laughs> right, see. i'm waving now <laughs> nick it's been lovely chatting with you again we need to stop like doing this where we only talk to each other like twice a year yeah definitely it's awesome i love it oh shit that reminds me <laughs> we should probably talk about the fact that we're both going to be on the southampton superpod at the end of next month oh gosh yeah i've been leaving all of that to james all that, all oh, that stuff gosh. i haven't been paying attention um, um you're coming down it, it's exciting i am it's very exciting i'm i'm skinned now uh i can't afford to live because trains and hotels are mean but <laughs> but i'm doing it anyway because i'm a lovely lovely person I don't really know how to describe it, so maybe just go to like superpod.co.uk. I think that's yeah, the web. I think, I think so. Have a look. It's a 36-hour podcast that's happening to raise money for Comet Relief. I am not going to be there for the whole 36 hours because I have learnt my lesson about binge podcasts. <laughs> it's terrifying, terrifying results. Um, <laughs> but I will be there from, I think, 2 o'clock. I'm doing about an hour of... 45 minutes and then i might be popping into other random bits and bobs as well and i think you guys are doing two grand men is yeah, it yeah i can't remember when i think we're also involved i think james is talking about a quiz or or something Ooh. i'm famously unambitious when it comes to this stuff i tend to just <laughs> i'm not a big fan of live recordings or anything so it's sort of um yeah i can't see the schedule it is you were right about the address it's superpod.co.uk and yeah, we're I'm doing... daunted by the prospect of a live audience. I know there might not be many people that turn up, but that's going to scare me. We've done, I mean, that's not too bad. And I've done a couple of panels and stuff like that where there have been a few people there. And it's it's okay. It's just not knowing what a thing is going to be until I get there. Always. Nick, did, did you know that you were going to be the guests on my parlour segment on that show? <laughs> I don't think I did, but that's fine. You're a, you're a safe space for me. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> 
So if you want to hear more ramblings from me and Nick, <laughs> plus uh, James, oh, I've got a bike. That's my impression of James. Oh, yeah, I've been, I've been listening to a thing about uh, on Radio 4 about uh, flanges, Stacey. That's what I've come onto the podcast. He's always talking about some documentary series he listened to on Radio 4. I don't know. That's not fair. He's very and Harry almost dies on bikes, like, yeah. regularly. It's frightening. <laughs> he hasn't sold me on having a bike. Anyway, I really do have to go now because I need to win. Also, it's bedtime. But okay. thank you, Nick. I love thank you. Thank you, Stacey. It's lovely. Bye. Smooch. Harley Quinn, turn two face to black and blue face. I 100.